welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. The other day, one of the lo- young uh, local kids on the street showed me a video, which um, I wasn't supposed to see because he wasn't supposed to take it, of uh, kids fighting. He's row high. And uh, <clears throat> he was really excited about telling me about the ins and outs of this particular fight, you know. He says, yeah, well, that kid, he threatened the other boy and then he hit that other kid and this kid, he doesn't, he doesn't put up with any of that nonsense. So he just went for it and he got him back and he fought him back and, and so I saw the video of the fight, you know, and the kids are all around like, yeah, fight, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're all into it and the kids are into it and they're secretly videoing and then uh, I said, what happened? And they said, oh, the teacher came along and said, yeah, they're both suspended, like they, they'll be gone. And I went, all right. I said, yeah, well, you're not allowed to fight at school. He goes, no, no. And he says, and you're not allowed to video it either. You get in big trouble if you video the fight. So these days there's no, in the schools, you know, there's no, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to fight back. If someone hits you, you know, I, got to, I had to teach my kids. If someone hits you, you're not allowed to hit back. You're not allowed to do anything. You still go, oh, I don't know what you're supposed to do, but you're not allowed to hit back. You're not allowed to video it. You're not allowed to do any of that. I thought, all right, oh, yeah. Fair enough, I guess. A bit different from the old days. My dad described going to his uh, school and uh, he, he described to me that uh, when there was a fight in the playground, the master would come along, right, Southwick, Jones, you're going to fight, do it properly then. Let's get the, get the boxing gloves on. Come on then. And he, this is true. They used, to get the, they used to take them to the boxing ring, which they had in those days at that school, and they'd put the gloves on. If you're going to fight, fight fair, fight properly, do it, do it right. And then they could punch it out sort of properly on the playground. So it's kind of like, you know, back in the day, it was acceptable revenge. At least they were a little bit more honest about it than we are nowadays. It was like, okay, well, boys are going to fight. Let's fight fair. And if you hit him, of course he's going to hit you back. We'll just make sure it's not too bad. You know, put gloves on. These days, you know, oh, oh, we don't let, we don't let children fight back. No, no, none of that. And we don't let them video it. And I think, aren't we a bunch of hypocrites? Seriously. So we don't let the kids video that. And then we send them home and they turn on the TV and every single movie practically is about revenge. I mean, even the cartoons is like, he's the bad guy. You know, so, oh, oh no, children, you mustn't video anything about revenge or anything about, you know, hitting back. But come and watch the movies that the adults make because we make really good movies about revenge and hitting back and killing the bad guys. It's just so hypocritical that we expect our children to be little saints, but we don't set that example. So I asked someone who shall remain nameless, what's, what's the latest? Because I'm still back in, you know, Bruce Willis diehard days, but apparently it's, it's John Wick now. So... John Wick's the latest guy, Keanu Reeves, super cool, come on. So apparently I said, tell me the story, what's the deal? What's the... I said to someone, tell me the latest revenge movie. And uh, so he says, yeah, oh, John Wick. <clears throat> I said, you seen it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me what it is. So Keanu Reeves is a killer, but he's, you know, hung up the killer gloves. You know how they do. It's like, oh, I don't really want to kill anymore. But then someone kills his dog. So then he goes and kills them back. <laughs> I said, all of them? He says, yeah, yeah, all of them. And they go, right. And he says, I said, 
So have you seen this movie? He says, oh, well, I haven't seen the latest. There's three. I go, three movies about John Wick killing everyone. He goes, he says, pretty much. That's pretty much the story. I go, all right. I said, did you enjoy it when John Wick killed everyone? And the poor guy, he's like, I think this is a trick question from my pastor. He said, well, they make them out to be really bad guys. Like, you know, I go, yeah, okay, I get it. I get it. Of course. There's an element of satisfaction. I'm not going to I'm not going to dob that person in, by the way, but they are in this room, I'll just say that. But that's okay. Look, we all, we all like a good revenge movie, I guess. It's justice. There's a sense of justice. There's a sense of, yeah, get the bad guys, you know, do, the, do it, kill them. And in the movies, you just, it's just like you just kill them. There's no sort of, you don't even bother going to the courts. There's no sort of like, you know, make, make them sit on death row for 10 years and get visited by the nuns and get, you know, get saved. None of that. It's just, you know, just kill the bad guys. So that's, that's very much something of the world that we live in. It's, it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's like you hit me, I hit you back. And no matter how we might try and teach our children not to do that, we don't set that example. So, so that's, that's the way it is. And, and we can, sometimes we see it as the wrong thing, but sometimes we feel justified in that. We think that's right. That's the way it should be. If you do the wrong thing to me, and of course we're all civilised and we don't, we, don't, we don't do it like that. We just, we don't kill people. We just don't ever talk to them again. We just think, I'm not going to talk to that person ever again. Or I'm just going to give them the evil eye, like if I ever see them. Or we, or we don't kill them, but we fantasise about things. Have you ever done that? Say, mate, what I will say if I see that person, I'm going to say this and then say that. And then we don't because we're too polite and we'll get in trouble and we've got all these laws and stuff. But we imagine it, don't we? We imagine revenge. And you know, Jesus said that to even imagine revenge and enjoy it and, and focus on it is the same as doing it. That's the standard that Jesus said. But that's what we do. We, we have that same spirit of revenge. Or maybe there's that, that, you know, someone's unkind to us or a family member and think, I'm just, I just won't, I won't talk to them anymore. I won't ask them. I won't visit them. I won't see them. Or we, we have our own little ways of acting out those movies that are somehow more acceptable because there's not actually bloodshed. But it's the same thing. It's still revenge. And this morning I want to speak about a completely different way of doing life that Jesus introduced that was so radical and, and so amazing that I sort of almost don't know how to preach about it. Honestly, I'm sort of like, how can, how can we explain this? How can we explain the concept of grace? Grace comes into this world of revenge and of justice and of payback and grace says, I'm not going to pay back. Grace is unmerited favour. Grace says, I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to love you. Listen to Ephesians 2, 4 to 8. God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised up together and made to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. 
So the grace of God has appeared. We are sinners. It's all very well to say someone else is bad, but it's us too. We've all done the wrong thing. We've all sinned one way or another. And this verse here says that God, God is the judge. And, you know, justice isn't wrong. It is good when the bad guys get what they deserve in some ways. But justice belongs to God. God is the judge. He'll work it out in the end. It's not for us to judge. It's not for us to give that justice. Because when we say, I'm going to judge you, what are, what, are, what are we saying about ourselves? That we're God, that we know everything about that person, that we can make the right call? But we're sinners. We do the wrong thing. We miss it. We're unkind. We ignore God, which is the worst sin of all. We just completely ignore him for half of our lives sometimes or just sometimes for the day, do our own thing. But the Bible says that God is rich in mercy. Imagine, imagine, imagine ignoring someone. I sometimes imagine God like, like a lover who, who's madly in love with someone and who who says, oh, I want to be with you, I want to love you. And, and this person says, well, no, I don't like you. I, I don't even want to talk about you. I don't even believe in you. <laughs> it's kind of odd, but that's what people say. I don't even believe in you, God, let alone want to respond to your love. And imagine that, that this person just over and over and over. How long should a man ask a woman to marry him and love him if that woman says no? How, how long do you think a guy should try, you know? And some guys say, well, just once. I'm not mucking around. If she doesn't want me, I'm going. But some guys are a little bit more persistent. They might hang in there for a year or two, you know what I mean? But after a couple of years, that'd be it, or five or 10 or 20. But God is so rich in mercy that he just keeps trying and trying until the very, very end when someone's dying. He's still reaching out to people and a lot of people get saved on their deathbeds. And, you know, by then you think that after 70, 80 years, God would say, I've had it with you, but he's still reaching out. It's like, I want you. I want to be with you for all eternity. I love you. Imagine that. Would any of you men be prepared to wait a whole lifetime for that one that you loved and take them at the very end? You'd probably be long gone. Think that's an, I'm, I'm over that. But that's the kind of mercy that God has is that he woos each of us individually for our whole life and says, come on, come and be the one that I love. Come and be my mate. Come and be with me. He's so rich with mercy. He loves us so much. And it's all grace. When we finally say, all right, it's not like we've done anything amazing. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. No, none of us are good enough here to be saved. We can't earn this. How can we possibly earn it? How can we possibly be fair that the greatest man that ever lived, the kindest, most wonderful, wisest, he was just amazing. Jesus, if you could see him now, you'd be just like, wow, something about him, something amazing. He died for me, for my sin. I might not think my sin is that bad. I'm, I'm, you know, a pretty normal kind of girl, but it was bad enough for Jesus to die for. So all of our sins are not pleasant in the sight of God. But that's not fair. I didn't, how can I possibly deserve that this amazing man would die for me I wouldn't even I wouldn't ask any of you to die for me you know I wouldn't that wouldn't seem fair somehow <clears throat> but he did that's his incredible that's the grace that Jesus said I'm going to die and sort out your sin issues once and for all and wash your sins away and I'm going to take it all on myself that is his grace that is his Amazing grace that no, we do not deserve. But that's grace. You don't deserve it. You can't earn it. Nothing you can do. We're saved by grace. And I just, 
I ask you to just accept that grace of God. Know that it's a gift and don't feel like you're not good enough or in a way feel like you're not good enough but accept it anyway because he loves you. It's so beautiful. I have a friend, uh, Billy Joe Doherty, uh, just one of my heroes. I love him. He's, he was a pastor in Texas. Is that right? Texas or Oklahoma? Oklahoma. He was a pastor in Oklahoma and we met him in Russia. Beautiful man, just a beautiful man of God. Uh, he's with the Lord now. But he was um, attacked uh, in his church actually, right in an altar call in his church, right there in the church. Um, that wouldn't happen in our church because Frosty would take him out first. Yeah. But um, <laughs> with grace, of course. Yeah, <laughs> with grace. Um, but anyway, um, he, um, he got attacked and uh, he chose not to press charges. So that's mercy. It's merciful to not punish someone who deserves to be punished. And God is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. We deserve to be punished, but he doesn't punish us. We do the wrong thing and all we've got to do is say, God, I'm sorry. And he goes, all right, I forgive you. It's like, whoa, what? No punishment, no consequences? No. God is rich in mercy and he forgives us. When we ask him to forgive us, he forgives us. So that's mercy and that's amazing. But then Billy Joe went the next level and he went and visited this guy who at that stage was still being held at, in the, the, local, the local jail uh, even though he wasn't going to press charges, they were holding him. And Billy Joe went to visit him to see if he could help him, to, to, to try and connect with the guy and, and love him and say, what, what's going on, mate? Like, can I, can I talk to you and can I help you? That is grace. Mercy says we won't get the punishment that we deserve. But grace gives us favour that's just the next level. It's like, God's mercy and God's grace obviously go together, but it's just incredible. It's unmerited favour. It's giving us a blessing, a position and help that we don't deserve. We don't deserve it. It's giving us blessing, position and help that we don't deserve. So if ever you go before God and say, but I don't deserve this, it's like, no, of course you don't. But we can boldly go to the throne of grace. We can go to him and say, I, I don't deserve this, God, but I'm asking that you heal me, even though I've done the wrong thing. And I'm asking that you bless me. And I'm asking that you do this to me, even though I don't deserve it. And because of God's grace, he says, yes, he wants to bless us. It's crazy. Often we just can't, it's hard for us to receive it and accept it. But that's the grace of God. So we're saved by grace and we need to grow in grace. If we turn to uh, 2 Peter 3.17. It says, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of, law, of the lawless and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. And if we look at Titus 2.11, it says, the grace of God has appeared has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and godly lives in this present age. So grace actually teaches us. Grace is a teacher. It's, not, it's an interesting concept. It's not just that we're saved by grace and that's good, but that God's favour and grace to us just keeps going and teaches us how to live. 
So we can overcome all these weaknesses in ourselves as we grow in grace. We grow in understanding what this grace is like for me. What does, so, so you mean you're, God's going to give me the courage and the strength and the ability to overcome this weakness and this weakness and this horrible way that I have of talking or this pride or this issue in my life that can be very serious. We can be confident that because of God's grace, I'm going to keep growing. I'm going to, I'm going to overcome it. And again, it's not because I did the right thing. Anyone who's ever been on a diet knows how hard it is to live by the law. As soon as you go on a diet, I was talking to someone, we were fasting the other day, and as soon as you fast, as soon, it's like, okay, I'm going to fast and sometimes partial, sometimes complete, but, you know, partial fast. I'm not going to eat chocolate or coffee or, you know, you go through your little treats. And as soon as you make that decision, right, we're good. We're starting tomorrow morning. You start in the morning and you wake up and you go, <gasps> I want chocolate. I just want chocolate. I, it's like it's the weirdest thing. The minute you put the law brings up sin in us. If as soon as you put down the law, sin rises up and goes, but I want it. It's the weirdest thing about human beings. The law, and it says that the law, it doesn't, it's not making us sin the law. It exposes the fact that we're sinners. It exposes our weakness. As soon as you put people on diets, this is why diets don't work. It's the law. The law has been, I don't know why people still do diets because we've got the whole of the Old Testament to prove to us that the law doesn't work. But as soon as you say, don't eat this, this, this and this, people are like, okay, I want to, but I won't, I want to. It doesn't work. And, and we can, and that's the same, you know, you, you, old kind of old style religion is like, you mustn't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. People are like, ah, no, I want to. I didn't want to before, but now I want to that you've said that. It's not the way of growth. It's not the Christian way. The law doesn't work. I found that when I was a, at school. I went to a, a private school. They were all very strict and all that. And they had all these rules, a million little rules. And I remember you had to, we had a button that you had to do up right at the top. Not the top button, but the top clip. There was a button, little clip, so it looked very neat around your collar. You know, it all had to look perfect. And people wouldn't fuss about the clip because it was annoying. they just do the button. But then they made a rule that you had to do the clip as well as the button. And I was a prefect, so it was my job to go around and make sure everyone's clip was done up. But immediately, I mean, a lot of people did wear their clip done up just because they did. But once they made the law, all the naughty girls in the school deliberately left their clip undone. It's like, yeah. I'm going to undo it now. Who cared about the clip before that? Once they make a law, all the girls are like, right, we're going to disobey that. And then we had the horrible job of going around making, doing everyone's clips up. I mean, seriously. So we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. We need grace for ourselves. We need to, we need to just walk in grace and trust God that he is t- I'm growing in grace. I'm, I'm overcoming. And as I walk with Jesus and as I spend time with him, his grace helps me to overcome. Things that were an issue are no longer an issue because of grace, not because of law, not because of works, not because I'm trying, 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 but because I'm resting in him and trusting God and his grace is working on me. But we also need to have grace for others. It's not just all about me. We need to bring grace into this crazy world because this whole revenge thing isn't working out very well, is it, in our world? You know, we've got whole nations that have been fighting for hundreds of years because of revenges and tribal differences that happened 100 years ago and 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 fighting and wars are breaking out between nations, between families. I heard, I heard about, when I was doing my research here, I heard about a man that was angry with his wife because she wouldn't give him something for dinner. So he lived in half the house and he wouldn't talk to her for their whole marriage. This is some American guy. 
He wouldn't talk to her. And then in the end, he cut the house in half and he moved the half the house further away and he put planks on either side of the house and they never spoke to each other because he, he wouldn't forgive her. He wouldn't, he wouldn't deal with it. It's craziness. That's the kind of world we live in. But we need to live in a world with grace and we have received this grace. So we're the ones that have got to give it. We're the ones that have got to reach out and love. We're the ones that have got to forgive. That person that you fantasise about saying that horrible thing to, that person that hurt you or even worse, hurt one of your children, we have to let it go. We, have to, we just have to have grace towards them and forgive them and imagine them getting saved and imagine them being loved and 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 have grace-filled eyes and grace-filled ears and a grace touch. People know when, they, when you're graceful to them, but they also know when you're angry with them. You can see it sometimes just in someone's eyes. It's like you can see it. But God is calling us to this place of grace, this place of grace. You know, even um, I was talking to my other literary advisor this morning, Martin Gooding, the story of Hamlet, which we know so well, is that, well, I mean, we don't know the story well, but we know the name, don't we? We've all heard the name Hamlet, but we're like, what is it about again? <laughs> so Hamlet's father is murdered by Claudius and Hamlet comes back to Denmark and his, his, um, the ghost of his father appears and says, you've got to take revenge on me because I was murdered by Claudius. Claudius murdered me, married my wife, took the throne, became king. And Hamlet struggles with this. You know, should I do it? Because he, he doesn't want to take revenge, but he feels that he ought to because it's right and it's just. And so in the end, after the whole of the players about his struggles, you know, to be or not to be and all this, what do I do? He decides to take revenge and he does. He kills Claudius. Claudius's wife dies, his mother. And basically everybody dies, including Hamlet and his girlfriend. And Shakespeare had the the wisdom, I guess, and the decency to show that revenge doesn't really work out that well. It's a bit of a mess. So it's kind of like, was that a good thing? that we, Justice was done, but did it work? It's like, not really. So these days we've kind of let go of the should we or shouldn't we, and we just, no, John Wick, Keanu Reeves, we just, we're just going for it. There's no, there's no question anymore. Let's just do it. And there's not that many sort of, modern stories of grace really there's not that much I, I was sort of thinking I said what movies speak of grace it's such a beautiful concept but it's not we don't we don't look for that anymore the nearest I could come for, to was Les Miserables where um you know the, the the this guy the the sort of broken hero Jean Valjean he's out being hunted and you know he's had a terrible time he's criminal he's been hunted but this kindly christian bishop takes him in and loves him and gives him shelter because he's starving and jean valjean rewards him by waking up in the middle of the night and stealing the family silver because he's desperate and then goes but then the policemen catch him with the bishop's silver so they take him back to the bishop and say we got him he's got your silver and the bishop goes oh Oh, Jean, you, yeah, thank you. I just asked him to look after my silver. You forgot the candlesticks. Here, have them as well. Have them as well. And the police are like, oh, okay. Like, you know, <laughs> not sure about that. But Jean Valjean is so moved by the, the grace of the bishop that he didn't, he didn't 
do what he should have done, which is say, yeah, he stole, I'm going to arrest him, throw him back in prison, all that. He showed grace, that it changes his whole life. And he, he, he wants to turn around and, and be, be the good guy and help others. That's grace. But that, when was La Miserable? It was a long time ago that it was written. But those stories of grace are just different. And I was reminded that, okay, the movies are great, but we've all got our own stories of grace. And who remembers Johnny Lee Clary? I love hearing about him. And I just want to share a little bit. He's also with the Lord now. But Johnny Lee grew up in a terrible, messed up home. His dad killed himself and his life was tough. This is a, a guy that came here. He spoke in this church and he was a lonely, lost young man who was eventually taken in by the Ku Klux Klan. So that became his identity and that's the way he, he lived and worked. And he, he rose up through the ranks and he was the grand wizard of the Ku Klux Klan. And he, you know, that's not a particularly nice way to live, but that's what he did. And he was taken in one day to a radio station to have a debate with an um, a African-American activist whose name was the Reverend Wade Watts. And the Reverend Wade Watts took him by surprise and uh, they were in this debate situation and Johnny was going to, you know, have a go at him. But the Reverend Wade Watts said, hey, how are you going? And he put his hand out and Johnny accidentally shook his hand because just out of habit. But the, the clan rules are you're not allowed to shake a black man's hand. And, and so he, he sort of, he went, oh, what have I done? And he looked at his hand and the Reverend Wade Watts says, don't worry, Johnny, it doesn't come off. <laughs> you know, like, you'll be all right. But Johnny was just furious at that. And so from that moment on, he decided to persecute the Reverend Wade Watts. And, uh, and so what he did was they started by throwing trash. He found out where he lived. He threw trash on his lawn. He started to ring him. They started to, to give him, you know, phone calls at night and frighten him. Now, you know, in the movies, this kind of stuff's really scary. Like, but the Reverend Wade Watts was so brave. He would just... He, he said, he, he's Johnny Lee, and you can look it up, it's really, there's some great YouTube clips of him sharing this story. But he said, they turned up on his yards with their hoods on and their white gear burning across, across the street. You know how they used to burn cross? And the Reverend Wade Watts came out and said, you boys need a hot dog for your, for your barbecue? And they were just like, who are you? And then, and then he rang him up. Johnny Lee rang him up. And he said, he put on a deep voice. He said, you better watch out, boy. We're going to come and get you. And then the Reverend Wade Watts said, is that you, Johnny? He said, is that you, Johnny? He said, Johnny, I love you. And Jesus loves you. And, and Johnny's like, I, I, I don't know what to do. Like, he's like, how do I deal with this guy? He's trying to scare the guy. It's like, what do I do with him? And then they had this other incident where... He went into a, he found him in a restaurant. He was harassing this poor man. He ha- found him in a restaurant. And uh, the Reverend Ray Watts just sitting there eating his chicken, like cutting it and eating it. And then Johnny comes in and he says, what you're doing to that chicken, we're going to do to you. And the Reverend Wade Watts goes, so he picks up the chicken and he kisses it. <laughs> and he said, everyone in the restaurant laughed, including all the Klansmen. And they went out and go, what are we going to do with this guy? Like... Because he just kept, he couldn't deal with the love and the grace. So then they decide, okay, now we've got to get serious. So then they burned down his church. They burned down his church and they threatened him. And the Reverend Wade Watts, again, when he was contacted, he said, please, Lord, forgive Johnny. He doesn't know what he's doing. He just kept loving him. And Johnny couldn't deal with it. 
So in the end, Johnny, Johnny met up with the Reverend Wade Watts and he gave his life to Jesus. That grace just broke him down. And it's such a lovely story hearing Johnny. Johnny's hilarious. He's, you know, hearing him talk about it, he used to, he just loved this guy. And, in, and he got saved and he became a minister in the Reverend Wade Watts' church, which is actually an African-American denomination. He was like one of the only white ministers in that denomination. And he would go around with the Reverend Wade Watts and preach with him. And ministered to him and they became friends and he, he called him in when he was sick and, and, and they loved each other and they loved each other's children and it's just, it's just like what, what, what kind of a story is that? That's not, that's not the way it's meant to be. It's a beautiful story but it's grace but it's, I just love, I, I don't know, I can't wait to meet this man, the Reverend Ray Watts. I don't know if I'll meet him on earth but I can't wait to meet with him and say how were you so brave? How are you so courageous? Because that, you know, now you tell the story, it's like, oh, yeah. But it's, it's powerful to be that gracious and to be that loving and that forgiving. And that's the way he was. And I, I just love this grace. So let me ask all of us. Hebrews 12, 15 says, see to it that no one misses the grace of God. Make sure that no one misses the grace of God. Imagine if Johnny had missed that grace from the Reverend Wade Watts. Imagine if he didn't experience that grace and just went on in hardness. Our role is to make sure that no one we know misses how good this grace is. Why would you miss out on that grace? Why would you miss out on being loved and blessed by God? The Reverend Ray Watts just represents what Jesus did and Jesus did it so much more for us. He wants to bless us. He wants to look after us. Let us not miss that grace in ourselves. Let's make sure that our hearts are always forgiving, always loving, always gracious. I, I, um, Philip Yancey wrote a great book about, about grace and he was talking about how we show grace in our lives. We show grace to our husbands, our wives. We show grace to people in the church. Come on, there's people in this church, even in this church, that probably bug you, probably annoy you. Never. Not you, Frosty. No one gets annoyed. <laughs> no one gets annoyed with Frosty. No one gets annoyed with Chris. You said it, mate. You said it. <laughs> never, never. I mean, come on. <laughs> there's always someone that's, that, that's like, oh, you know, I don't, oh, don't want to work with them or they annoy me. I'm not, oh. But that we, if we can't even show grace to each other in this room, how are we going to show grace out there in the world? Our job is to make sure no one misses the grace, that we don't miss the grace in ourselves, but we don't miss showing it to everyone else and we don't miss it out in the world. And, and Yancey shares a story. Listen to this beautiful story because it's like, how can I show grace out into the world? There is a you, You're constantly showing grace. Here is one. This lady said this. They were talking about showing grace out there in that revenge world. And this woman said, I feel called to express grace to telephone marketers. Hello, how many of us do this? I say to them, this must be a hard job. Can I pray for you? She said, they sometimes cry and break down. Isn't that sweet? Do you feel convicted? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Why are you calling me now? <laughs> you know. We don't show, it's like, I don't have to show grace to them. They're annoying me. Really? Do we have to show grace? What about that person at the shops that made us wait? What about that person that stole our car spot? Like, 
Seriously? Yeah. What about that guy? What about that man that stole that money from us in business or that, that didn't pay our, you know, our, our proper superannuation or whatever, that boss that did the wrong thing or that co-worker that, you know, there's, I mean, it's just constant grace. Family member who, who lied about you and tried to turn the rest of the family against you. We have to see to it that no one misses this grace. We need to show this amazing grace. We have received it and now our job is to give it and share it and minister this grace because this is the way the world will change. It's grace. It's not going to change, guys, because we go out there and we say, we've got the answers. You shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't, you know. We've, we, we, this is the right way to live. That is, that is not appealing to the world. It doesn't win. That's actually the law. That's kind of like a Christian law. What is going to work is when we go out there and we show a grace that doesn't make sense, a grace that is beautiful, a grace that is unexpected, if it's a telephone marketer or someone like that or a, a Ku Klux Klan member or someone who steals someone's candlesticks, you know, these instances of grace is what changes the world that's how Jesus changed the world with his rich mercy and grace that was the change that was the change so let us be a people of grace and let us show grace and let us rule and reign in this life by grace We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.